0: Well, good evening. We are really glad that you have come to behold him here tonight. Before we have our our message, I want to remind you that it's our tradition here at Faith to uh, invite people to give to our compassion fund during uh, the Christmas season, specifically at this service. And we have a compassion fund that is designated specifically to help individuals in this church and in our community who need help with rent, with utilities, uh, all of us. Generally speaking, at some stage of life, uh, need help. And uh, we think as an expression of the compassion of Jesus, we, we like to help people. And because of your generosity, we've been able to do that uh, this past year. And so if you would like to give to that fund, you can do so in a couple of ways. On our website, you can give and uh, just in the menu, uh, designate it for the compassion fund. If you want to give here tonight, you can give in the boxes at the back. If you uh, write a check, if you would, in the memo designate the amount you want for the compassion fund. Uh, if you want some to go to our our uh, general fund, please designate that on the check. All cash that's given will will automatically go to the compassion fund, and so we appreciate you considering that tonight. Well Christmas is the time of year when followers of Jesus think about the incarnation and the word incarnation simply means enfleshment and it's the time it speaks of uh, Jesus um, laying aside his heavenly glory and becoming one of us taking on a flesh and blood body without giving up his divinity he took on humanity. And the way the church has described it down through the years is to say that Jesus was fully God and fully man, one person with two natures. And uh, it's really staggering to think about this because from eternity past, uh, Jesus had one divine nature. And then when he became one of us, now he also has a human nature, again, one person in two, two nat- with two natures. This evening, I want us to think about one specific aspect of the incarnation. Namely, I want us to think about the duration of the incarnation. So how long is Jesus fully God and fully man? How long does the incarnation last? And you may or may not have ever thought about that question, Um, but the New Testament actually has a lot to say about it, and it's endlessly fascinating. The New Testament speaks of the humanity of Jesus as something that was true in the past, and that is true in the present, right now, even as we speak, and something the humanity of Jesus will be true in the future. And so tonight I'm going to give a brief and staggeringly inaccurate, or inadequate, hope it's not in, is that a Freudian slip? Yeah. Hopefully it's not inaccurate, but, but it, it is definitely inadequate, kind of a, a summary of what the Scriptures have to say about Jesus' past, present, and future humanity. And this is not just a theological exercise, or it's not just rehearsing a set of facts, Uh, This is something that can fuel our souls. It can fuel our faith. Uh, What it's done for me, it's allowed wonder to rise up within me and to to just be amazed at the depth of Jesus' love for me. I hope that's the case for you tonight. First of all, Jesus passed humanity. So while Jesus is on earth, earth, the, the Gospels describe Jesus as fully human, both before and after his resurrection. The passage that, that Scotty read from Luke 2 a few minutes ago, it describes the birth of a normal human baby. Uh, Jesus grew in his mother's womb and came into this world as a newborn. And we have every indication that Jesus grew up like all little boys grow up. And we can imagine, uh, well Luke 252 says Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. He got bigger. You can imagine Joseph and Mary, like all parents, saying, this kid, it seems like he outgrows his sandals every other month, you know. <laughs> it's like that, that was Jesus. He was a normal human. When we fast forward and read about Jesus as, as an adult, we, we see that he experienced what all humans experienced. He was weary after a long journey. He was hungry after he fasted for a period of time. On the cross, he was thirsty. And the ultimate expression that Jesus was fully human is that when he was crucified on the cross for our sins, he died, he had a mortal body, a body that was subject to death. The gospels also describe how Jesus had the full range of human emotions. We read that on, on occasion, Jesus was joyful You read that Jesus was angry, he was sorrowful, he was troubled. On one occasion, Jesus wept. We not only see that Jesus was fully human during his earthly life, we also see Jesus' humanity after the resurrection. When Jesus appeared to his disciples, the thing he was intent on on convincing them of was that His human body had been raised from the dead. There was continuity between the body that was on the cross, in the grave, and the body that stood before them. Beginning in in Luke 24, 39, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. He said, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. He said, touch me and see, and this is interesting, he said, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. Jesus had flesh and bones. To be sure his resurrected body was different from his mortal body, which is subject to disease and weakness and death. It was a glorified body, but it was a glorified human body. The scars in his hands and his feet were proof that the body that had been crucified was the same body that stood before them. Only now it was resurrected and glorified. Verse 40, and when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate before him. So being able to eat was further proof that he was not merely a spirit, because we all know spirits can't eat, right? Spirits, by definition, don't have bodies. And uh, I also find it intriguing that Jesus, even though he didn't have to eat, he could eat. And that's a hint of how tangible our lives might be, our bodies might be in the new heaven and the new earth. A lot we don't know about it, but we're given these hints along the way. So that's his past humanity. Jesus was human in the past. New Testament also speaks about Jesus' present humanity. And from the perspective of the New Testament, Jesus is present tense, fully God and fully man at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. 1 Timothy 2 is a passage that has a a comment I want us to to consider, but Paul is, is emphasizing that God wants all people to come to the knowledge of of Jesus, and um, uh, he wants everybody to come to know him and have eternal life. And in verse 5, 1 Timothy 2.5, Paul explains why that's even possible, because God has provided a mediator. He says, for there is one God So there aren't different gods for different groupings of people, for different ethnicities, for people in different regions of the world. There's one God, and there is one mediator between God and man. And we need a mediator because God is infinitely holy. We can't just walk into his presence. Uh, We, we being sinful, we we could not do that. So we need a go-between. We need a mediator. There's one God and there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ, Jesus. Isn't that fascinating? The man, Christ, Jesus. Present tense, Jesus is still a man because he is fully God and fully man. He can be the mediator between a holy God and sinful humans. How did he become that mediator? The next verse tells us, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And so a ransom is a sum that you pay to buy someone's freedom. And in this this scenario, we are the ones who need freedom. We're in bondage to our sin, and therefore we are alienated from God. It says Jesus gave himself he willingly went to the cross to pay the payment for our sin that we could never pay. He paid that so that we might have a mediator, so that we could now go freely to God. And so he says, he, so that uh, uh, he gave himself as a ransom for all. That includes everybody in the room. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will be your mediator. And he will give you this free access to God. And you can now pray to God, come directly into his presence, and pour out your petitions to him, your your prayers to him. If he is your mediator, now you're in a position for him to help you through this life and into eternity. If the man Christ Jesus is your mediator, you can rest assured, and this is what the book of Hebrews emphasizes that his earthly experience as a human uniquely qualify him to help you as a human deal with all the temptations and the weaknesses that you face in this life. In Hebrews 4.15, we read this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And so because Jesus is presently still fully human, he retains this experiential knowledge of what humans go through. And so he's not up in heaven scratching his head, I wonder what they're dealing with now. He knows exactly who was made like us in every respect. And so if you read through the Gospels, it's a fascinating uh, uh, exercise and you notice all the ways that Jesus experienced weakness, all the trials, all the temptations that he experienced, you will soon come to the conclusion that he gets you, he understands you, everything you go through. Some of you are grieving uh, some type of loss right now. Maybe this past year, some relationship was lost. Maybe you're grieving the loss of of a loved one. Maybe someone someone died, and that's your grief, your sorrow. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. The son of God who became uh, 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 the son of man with tears streaming down his face. Some of you look to the future and you have this this sense of dread. You just can't imagine that things are going to turn out well for you. You have this sense of dread because you've got all these questions on the horizon. There's all these things that are so far out of your control that things look hopeless. The night before he was crucified, Jesus in the garden, he agonized in prayer before his heavenly father to the point of sweating drops of blood. Jesus understands what you're going through. Jesus can come to your rescue if you will allow him. And so if you've ever been abandoned, if you've ever been betrayed, if you've ever been misunderstood, if you've ever been slandered, if your relationship with your family is strained, know that Jesus gets you because he is fully human he sympathizes with you because he's fully God. He has all the power of God to help you in the midst of that. Jesus' past humanity, his present humanity, it all, the New Testament also speaks about Jesus' future humanity. And the New Testament often looks to the future, and it often, almost every book in the New Testament talks about Jesus returning one day to rescue his people, and to make all things new. And when it talks about Jesus returning, you guessed it, he will be fully God and fully human. Jesus' favorite way of referring to himself was son of man. In Luke 21, 27, we read Jesus is speaking. He says, and they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That, that term son of man is a reference from Daniel chapter 7, where there's this prophecy, and one like a son of man is coming on the clouds. And so, because he's coming on the clouds, that signifies that he is, is divine. Because he's the son of man means that he, is, he's, he has the, the form of a man. There's some aspect of him that is human. And in that prophecy, this one like a son of man is coming and he's given this kingdom that will never pass away. Jesus repeatedly said, I am that son of man. One day, every eye will see me coming on the clouds as the son of man. Philippians 3, this is the last scripture we'll we'll look at. It tells us that when he returns for his people, he will transform our bodies to be like his body. Okay, this is what we read in Philippians 3. But our citizenship is in heaven. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's where you belong. That's home. That's where you'll finally be home. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. That statement makes no sense unless Jesus is still, still has a glorious human body. This indicates that when he returns, he will return fully God and fully man. And so this rescue mission that Jesus started at the first Christmas, will finally be consummated, will finally be concluded, because we were created as embodied beings. Our salvation won't be complete until our salvation extends even to our bodies, and that's what, what is promised when Jesus, the Son of Man, comes to give us glorious bodies that are like his. And so Jesus, humanity, it was true in the past, it's true in the present, it will be true when he returns. Now you may be wondering, will Jesus be fully God and fully man forever? Will he be identified with redeemed humanity forever? This has been a burning issue on my heart. I'm scouting it out as much as I could. I have not found a theologian. I have not found a, a scholar who says that there's a, who answers that question, no. I haven't found anybody that says no. I found many that answer that question. Yes, absolutely. I think it's very, very true. I think that convinced of this, there is no hint in the New Testament that Jesus will ever divest himself. Of his humanity. There's no hint whatsoever. I'm convinced that Jesus will be fully God and fully man forever. And so it turns out that the incarnation was not a cameo. It wasn't this 33 years? As amazing as that would be, as mind blowing as that would be, it's a million times that. It's not a cameo. I'm going to come be one of you for a while. He says, I'm going to identify with humanity for eternity. We were created in the image of God out of his great compassion. He didn't have to, but he became one of us and will be one of us. We will be, we will, we, he shares our humanity. Without giving up his divinity, he shares our humanity forever. And so it turns out that Jesus didn't only do something for us, At the first Christmas, without, again, without giving up his divinity, he became something for us. He became human for us forever. Forever. How can we not worship him? How can we not love him in return? Is there any greater act of compassion that could be given to people like you and me. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would would increase our faith. We pray, God, that we might think rightly about ourselves and rightly about Jesus, our Savior. We pray, God, that faith might well up within us. I pray for anybody here tonight who has a hard time believing that Jesus could be the one mediator between you and them. pray, God, that you would give that person faith. I pray, God, we might believe everything that we're told about Jesus and might experience him fully. God, the psalmist cried out, what is man that you even notice him? We're created lower than the angels and you give us this glory and this dominion. And from our vantage point, we cry out in a similar way, Not that you even notice us, but we're amazed that Jesus became one of us, that he would willingly do that because of his great compassion. Oh God, fill us with wonder. We worship you now, in Jesus' name, amen.